Welcome to the Bucky Cast, folks. John here along with Rob. Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's uh, been an exciting couple of weeks, so I'm just interested to see how much further it goes. Yeah, we we are now a two-man podcast. Will has moved on to to bigger and better things. He's he's more of a basketball guy. He wanted to look at something a little more basketball focused, and we're obviously not just focused on basketball. I think for kind of good reason, because, you know, not much going on right with basketball nowadays. Anyway, we're going to get some very quick hockey news. We're going to talk men's basketball a little bit. We'll talk a couple other sports. Uh, And then most of our conversations is going to be it's going to be football because that's where the that's where the exciting stuff is happening. (laughs) Uh, yeah, that that's where the recruiting news. We we've got some recruiting stuff. We haven't done recruiting stuff in forever because it's been so weird. But now we can finally. I feel like we're not going to change staff anytime soon. So now we can t- start talking about football recruits again. Anyway, uh, let's do a quick social media plug once again. If you enjoy what you're what you're listening to, you can follow us at the Buckycast. On Twitter, otherwise you can email us. We are the Buckycast43 at gmail.com. And Rob, you want to plug our YouTube channel now that we're on YouTube? Now that we're on the tube. Yeah. So if you search the Buckycast on YouTube, you'll be able to see the videos. I uh, just created a an intro for us. So you'll see it's getting a little more production value. So come join us for the growth. We, I don't actually know what Rob's doing, so he it could very it could very well be naked ladies. I don't know, but it, you know, go go to our YouTube channel, watch it. I, I've watched I watched some of our video. I don't know what other I don't know what other stuff Rob's putting out there. <laughs> Rob, let's do let's do a quick beer roundtable. We haven't done this for like a solid month, mostly because all of us have been sick or we've yeah. had our share of beer otherwise. Yeah, I missed first. the chance to do it when I had the, the vid. So uh, I'm coming in with, I think it's, uh, yeah, New Belgium with the Voodoo Ranger Juice Force IPA, which was a hazy Imperial IPA. And I was actually kind of shocked when I started drinking it because it uh, it's actually, I guess the Juice Force should have keyed me in, but it is pretty fruity, so... Uh, there are about 50 different variants of Voodoo Ranger. Uh, someday I'm going to go to New Belgium and I'm going to say, just line up sample glasses in front of me of every kind you've got. You and I go. feel like they're going to look at me funny and then I'm going to have a counter full of, you know, <laughs> sample glasses because they got a lot. Uh, but no, that sounds like good stuff. I myself have gone to the well of, of winter beers I'm drinking an old classic. I'm not going to put the uh, bottle up because the background of this screws with the bottle, but straight out of the old uh, lake they call Gitchigumi, it's Great Lakes Brewing Company, Edmund Fitzgerald. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Edmund Fitzgerald, named after the famed uh, Gordon Lightfoot song and actual freighter sinking on Lake Superior. It's a, it's a legend. Um, that lives on from the Chippewa on down. So just uh, I, I the first time I ever saw that beer, I, I mean, my buddies just had to have it. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, we have to have that beer. 
Um, it is a very, very dark, very, very uh, smooth, but very, very strong um, porter. Uh, not too, not too boozy. It's not an imperial, but it'll it'll make you sit up and take notice. Um, very, very strong coffee hints to it. Uh, very strong chocolate, um, you know, chocolatey coffee smell to it. But uh, it's it's a pretty solid standard porter. It's won a few medals in its time. I like the Brewing Company. People come here for the sports and the football, and they get a history lesson. Nice. <laughs> I know, right? They they didn't really. I don't think anyone got a history lesson. Anyone who's listening to this podcast knows the Edmund Fitzgerald. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so it's a good beer. I'm enjoying drinking it. And uh, yeah, here's to Gordon Lightfoot, everyone. Nice. Cheers. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Let's get into some sports action here. Number one, we do want to briefly mention um, right now, Wisconsin sports, not a lot going right uh, for the winter sports. Uh, women's hockey just got swept by Ohio State. It's their second straight uh, series where they've been swept. They were at Ohio State, so I'm not... I. I it's not a horrible thing like um, last week against Minnesota Duluth, but it's still pretty bad. Uh, they scored total. They were outscored seven to one in this series. Uh, they're just not scoring goals. It's it's really as simple as that, and they're getting very hit and miss uh, goaltending on top of that. So a lot of struggling going on with the women's hockey team now. They've fallen from being the number two team. I don't even know if they're ranked anymore, or if they're even ranked anymore. I'm not. I don't think they are. Yeah, so uh, ugly, ugly times. We've we've never had to discuss this before because Mark Johnson's been a, a phenomenal women's hockey coach. Um, but I don't know that we're going to be able to top him in terms of what he's accomplished at the UW. How old is he? 65 years old. That's why the discussion is coming up now. Yeah. How much longer is Mark Johnson going to do this? Uh, because Mark Johnson, obviously... A, Badger men's hockey legend, uh, obviously now a women's hockey legend too, with with how he's coached all the national championships he's won. But his last last year's team sort of underachieved. They returned a lot of the players from the national championship team prior to that, and they just didn't they didn't uh, they didn't achieve to where they could have been. I don't know if they even made the Frozen Four last year. I'm trying to remember. Uh, this team might not even make the NCAA tournament at the rate it's going. And that's a huge problem because this is one of the things that Wisconsin has been able to hang their hats on for the last 10 years is having a really good women's hockey program. And you've got to find out if this is just, if it, if this is just a, a, a slight hiccup in the program under Mark Johnson, I'm willing to accept that. Even Minnesota's hockey team, women's hockey team does not make it to the playoffs every year. So uh, it's just been the standard here under Mark Johnson lately. And, you know, missing is not going to be terrible this year, but then you start to ask questions like, you know, why can't they score? It's a little easier to stomach a 5-4 loss than it is to stomach a 5 nothing loss, which is what they yeah. suffered in the second game. So we'll find out um, if Mark Johnson still got some steam going or if this is the first signs that maybe there, maybe a change is starting to, to creep into the, creep into the rear view mirror. No one can coach forever. Very few people coach at a high level forever. So we'll find out. 
Uh, next series coming up is home against Minnesota State. That should right the ship, I would think. They swept would, them last time they played. Yeah. yeah, they. I would expect nothing less than a sweep. If they don't sweep them, then there's definite trouble in paradise. Yeah. I should mention the last three teams they have played were all ranked in the top five at the time they played them. And I think yeah. Ohio State was num- number one. So still not what you want to see from the women's hockey program, which has traditionally been elite. Mm-hmm. Uh, men's hockey, I've... <laughs> I don't even want to talk about men's hockey. I really don't, but I have to. I'm contractually obligated because we talk about other hockey to talk about the men's hockey program. They just lost an exhibition match this last Saturday to the U.S. under-18 national team. Five to one. Five to one. It wasn't even a case of, wow, what a crazy shootout. It was five to one. Um, The Badgers do not have a team full of stiffs. These are all most, I would say, roughly half their roster is probably played on the U.S. under 18 national team or Canada. And they just got trounced. And they're they're still hanging at nine and 13, two and 10 in the Big Ten. Uh, It's it's time for a change. I don't don't even know where the next game who's who they're playing in the next games. I don't care. I don't care anymore. And when I don't care who they're playing next this upcoming weekend, or next weekend, or any other weekend this year, it's time for a change. It's just got to be done. Uh, Chris McIntosh, if he's serious at all about athletics other than football here at Wisconsin, has to make a change now. Because this is absolute, they're they're nearing rock bottom in terms of what can happen. This is the second year in a row, at least, that they've lost this exhibition game to the under-18 national team. And that just shouldn't happen. I don't understand how you can fire, say, the women's basketball coach for non-performance and allow the men's hockey team to continue along the way that they have been. He's got to make some type of change. Yeah, being nice, the women's basketball team could be, at at its highest level, could be revenue neutral, but it's never going to be a revenue-gaining sport. You still want it to do well, and you still want, you know, seven to 8,000 fans in the Kohl Center. For a women's basketball game at least men's hockey used to sell out the Cole center night after night after night and for minnesota games it was packed it was a fantastic yeah. atmosphere and it's just deader than dead it's probably filled to maybe a quarter to a third of capacity at best uh this is a revenue generating sport for wisconsin and it's not generating any revenue and it's in the hands of an alumni who's just honestly just he can't coach I love I love what Tony Granato did when he was a player here. I love the fact that he's recruiting high level talent, but he just can't coach it. He can't develop it. Yeah, and it's it's just I've, I've said this for weeks now. It's time for a change. It's time for him to go. It looked like what they I think they got to five hundred or just under five hundred at one point a couple months ago, and I was like, uh, he could maybe a five hundred season would be acceptable, and then we'll see what happens. Even if he goes to five, gets to five hundred now at this point, has he done anything this year to to warrant getting his saving his job and getting to coach again next year? No, right. It's just it's it's time. So we're gonna hold on to that, and I'm probably not gonna mention much about men's hockey until the season ends, or we see a change. Um, Paul Christ, frankly, got fired for less than this in yeah. mid season. Exactly. So <laughs> I don't know what what it would. And he was an alumni too. So I don't know what it's going to take to get rid of Tony Granado short of him going out on the ice and shooting a player dead. 
Now um, I've only I've only watched a couple of, of of games, but would you do you feel that the team has fight in them, or is no, it just yeah? I don't think they have any fight in them at all, and they haven't for a couple of years. Uh, Cole Caulfield saved his job. Let's be honest. Uh, without yeah. Cole Caulfield, who's probably one of the top three, if not the best player in Badger hockey history, uh, we wouldn't be sitting here talking yeah. about Tony Granado. We'd be talking about some other coach because he would have been fired already. I mean, that's that's his that's his claim to fame right now. He won a I think he won a Big Ten tournament title the first year he was here, or at least made yeah. the title game, and then he won the Big Ten regular season title two years ago. Mm-hmm. And then proceeded to lay an egg in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Uh, so I just I, I I can't I can't discuss this anymore because it's been discussed to death. <laughs> he's just he's just not capable of of leading this program where it needs to go. It's time for a change. Moving on, um, men's basketball. Uh, the departure of Tyler Wall due to injury for the last um, couple of weeks has been an absolute disaster for Wisconsin. Um, it exposed the lack of depth on the bench, and it really put them out of rhythm in terms of how their offense produced. Put them out, put them out of rhythm in virtually everything. They haven't played particularly stellar defense um, consistently for an entire game, and that all came to a head this last Saturday. Uh, they just they got trounced by Indiana in a game that Indiana honestly should have won by more points. Yeah. Um, Rob, you you watched that game. Uh, what what are your observations? Because man, yeah, you know, speaking about fight not being in the team, they just look they look demoralized. And you know, it's funny uh, this whole Tyler Wall thing. My wife said. Why are they doing so bad? And I said, well, Tyler Wall's been out with an injury. And she said, well, it's only one player. And I go, yeah, you know, we do have three good players and then some decent starters. But without Wall in there as the as a cog for the defense and even posting up a little bit, uh, it just seems like it's it's totally altered the chemistry of the entire team. You wouldn't you would hope that that, you know, if it wasn't a superstar that missing one player off your team wouldn't break the chemistry so badly. But honestly, I think that's what it is, is they seem their their defense seems to be lost at times uh, and um, their offense is settling for some shots. And then it just seems like they're losing a lot of the fight and competitiveness, especially in that Indiana game. I. I swear the second half, they just didn't look like they wanted to play it at all. Um, no, they did not. And I, so. I, I myself, I had turned the game off at halftime because I watched the first half and I thought, thank God Indiana is playing this badly <laughs> because we're only down by one point. But I don't want to see, even if we win, yeah. I don't want to see. And I, I got one Twitter update because I was doing something at halftime and I looked up, I said, oh, the game's probably back on. And I looked, I checked Twitter and it said they that Indiana had hit like their first, that had built up like a nine or 11 point run to start the half. I said, they're done. Yeah. Wisconsin doesn't come back from that sort of deficit the way they're playing. Yeah. And sure enough, they were done. Uh, this is probably, I think they've hit the bottom officially of the Greg Gard years in terms of like, they went from <laughs> almost the knocking on the door of the top 10 to suddenly looking like they really couldn't 
probably beat any decent power five, power six, I'm sorry, in basketball, it's power six, decent power six team. And we're talking about a team that almost beat Kansas and that defeated yep. Marquette yep. Uh, earlier this year that was started out three and zero in the big 10. And they just, they look absolutely awful. I believe right. It's halftime of the, or it was halftime of the Penn state game. They were losing by six points with Tyler wall back. And Max Klesmet got injured as well. He's out for the rest of the game with an upper body injury. They are uh, up right now by one, 42 oh. to 41. Oh, they come back. 1040 uh, left in the game. Ooh, so. maybe what maybe Indiana was the bottom then. This is one of the problems with podcasting right in the middle of a <laughs> basketball game. We don't know what's going to happen. They did not look good in the first half, though. So we'll see if they can adjust. Well, you know, I, but I think that reinforces the point is that um, you wouldn't look at the team and say Tyler Wall is the glue guy, you know, yeah. but but apparently he has a lot to do with how the team he is, is their leading because, scorer. I mean, he's, the, he's the leading scorer. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true. I guess that's that's a good point because they haven't been blowing people out this year. They've been winning by, you know, 10 points or less in most games. So maybe that's true. Maybe pulling your leading scorer, losing your leading scorer is enough to cause you to lose those games now. Uh, other than other than Indiana, I don't think we got blown out in any of the losses. So. Uh, well, maybe I'll, that's what it is. I'll make this point. You pull 14 points per game out of the lineup and you insert, you know, two <laughs> points per game in Carter yeah. Gilmore, you're yeah. going to see a scoring drop off. Yeah. Carter Gilmore wasn't suddenly going to start scoring 14 points a game. It just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Good point. Uh, in fact, I don't now that Connor, by the way, Connor Seagian started tonight against Penn State. That means officially there are no scorers coming off the Badger bench. So all of their top scorers are in the game already. So are that you, means are you trying that to say Davis's getting... seven points don't count as. They're... What's that? Are you saying Davis's seven points a game don't count as points coming up? Not for not not enough. <laughs> I like Jordan Davis. I think he's he's developed into the player he's supposed to be. He's not scoring great right now, but this is his first extended action of his career, as far as I know. Yeah. And you know he he should be a guy who's coming in off the bench. But he was forced to start because, again, Greg Gard did not do a good job in the transfer portal, and he's had right. a bunch of he's had some classes where he just hasn't acquired enough talent to really off balance, you know, the fact that he had players leaving. And you can't you can't hit. I I, I love that he hit on guys like Tyler Wall and Connor Asijian who are a little under recruited, a little underrated. Mm-hmm. But you've got to hit on more than just one guy in a recruiting class. And right now yeah. he's sort of setting a pattern of I've, I've found one guy. The exception was 2020 when he found two guys. Yeah. But one of those guys was Johnny Davis and he's gone. Yeah. So, I mean, the other obviously being Stephen Crowell. So he's he's really, you know, he, he scuffles a lot in recruiting. And the 2024 class is going to be sort of a judgment on him. He has to come up with four players. Yeah. Can he come up with four good players? Right now he's got one decent player. Yeah. And there are three out there on the board yet that he's focusing all of his attention on. And I, you know, it's it's up in the air as to whether or not he can land him. He absolutely must land a guy in the next four or five months, a good 2024 four-star player recruit in order to to climb out of the the kind of hole he's digging for himself in credibility in terms of recruiting. 
for Wisconsin. And that's, that's I, it's not fair. He's a great coach. He's a great yeah. basketball coach. Yeah. X's and O's. I, I would take Greg Gard over virtually any coach in the Big Ten, but Tom Izzo. Yeah. But in terms of recruiting, he just doesn't appear to have it. Uh, it's, Joe it's frustrating. Joe yeah, Kravenhoff has pulled in a lot of his recruits. So. <laughs> exactly. It's frustrating to watch when they play a team like, you know, Minnesota and you see Dawson Garcia out there and everything. And you're like, wow, we were in it for these players. Can you imagine what our team would be doing right now if they were here instead of. I don't know if we were in it for Dawson Garcia, but there have been other players that we have been yeah. in the running for that we have not been able to get. And yeah. it, it both in the, tra- especially in the transfer portal. Right. Uh, so I don't know what he's selling, but recruits aren't buying it, and he needs to figure out a new currency to to sell to recruits. It'd be nice if Joey Hauser was here. <laughs> that we won't depends. Get, we well, won't let's, get into not, that. let's not open that can of worms. <laughs> we could do an entire hour long podcast on on the Hausers. Um, all right, on their recruiting history with Wisconsin, let's move to a happier topic. Um, which was actually a really unhappy topic just a couple of months ago, and that's Wisconsin's football program. Uh, Wisconsin continues to pile on uh, transfer portal wins, first of all. Uh, they Shortly after we podcasted uh, last week, the Badgers acquired the services of another wide receiver. Uh, this one's Bryson Green out of Oklahoma State. Uh, two years of eligibility remaining. He was, a, I think, a true junior last year. Yeah. And, um, Rob, this guy's got some pretty good moves uh, for a wide receiver. Don't be deceived by his stats. No, I mean, he looks really good. I think he slots right in as, as a very possible starter for us. I pulled, um, I pulled the stats of all the receivers that were transfers and that are currently on the roster. And for, for last year, um, you know, if you compare him to DK and Bell, uh, they all, they all had, uh, he had 730 snaps. Our guys had around 600 snaps. Uh, he had 36 receptions. DK had 47, uh, 584 yards versus DK 689, five touchdowns to six. So, yeah, I mean, he slots in really nicely. He's six one, uh, you know, some decent speed, so he fits in really nicely. I think on the other side of DK, I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, one and two be DK and Green, uh, right off the bat. Uh, depending, obviously, how things go in spring and the fall, but yeah, he looks really nice. He looks really nice to fit into the team. Yeah, this was this was a really great uh, transfer portal period for Wisconsin. Um, if you listen to the two four seven rankings, I don't know how accurate they are because a lot of it's guesswork. Yeah, but um, according to two four seven, they have a top ten transfer class, which you know Wisconsin just doesn't get those. Yeah, exactly. that just doesn't happen. Exactly. And now we have one, including four wide receivers and three quarterbacks. <laughs> So you can kind of tell where the emphasis was on we need to add talent. Really, honestly, at this point, Transfer Portal closes tomorrow. Tomorrow's Wednesday the 18th. Uh, There is not, as far as I can tell, there's not like a massive rush right now by guys just jumping into the portal at the last minute. You can still sign someone who's in the portal after the 18th. Uh, The problem is if they don't sign soon, like say this week, in the next three days, uh, they are not going to be able to play 
for spring practice, they'll have to wait until fall. So it's kind of important if you're going to get anybody else to get them in now. The only guy that I know of that they've been talking about in terms of uh, seeing message board rumors or Twitter rumors uh, or follows by, by coaches is Kane Barong, the tight end who transferred out of Notre Dame. And I don't know that we're going to get him. Yeah. Uh, at this point, you know, there was some smoke around that one, but there's no corresponding fire. And, uh, you know, with classes coming up, I don't, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Now watch me be wrong and he'll commit tomorrow. But <laughs> for now, I don't think that one's going to happen. Uh, yeah, we did have, know, oh, go ahead. Real quick, just to go back on what you're saying, the quarterbacks and the receivers, we knew we knew that they were going to have to do something about the quarterback room. I mean, it just, it wasn't tenable the way that it was. A lot of us felt that maybe there was some decent wide receiver room uh, action going on, but to bring in and shore that up now out of the, let's say 11, 12, 11 or 12 receivers that are, that you would expect to be red red shirt freshman or above having a chance to start uh, 10 of the 12 are over six feet tall. Um, you know, I don't think, I don't think you could ever look at Wisconsin's wide receiver room and say that. So it used um, to be hard. Like six foot was, was a giant. Yeah. Six foot two. Yeah. Was, I think it was a couple of years ago. We, when we had AJ Abbott, AJ Abbott was our tallest wide receiver at six foot two. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of potential. Yeah, exactly. There's been a lot of, a lot of height added, which you absolutely have to have in today's game. You also have to have a lot more speed. And I think the Badgers also added some speedy guys. Mm-hmm. So at least at least three or four potential starters out there. But they really needed some depth and they definitely got it, uh, especially at quarterback. Yep. Um, they did add a new assistant coach. Matt Mitchell was hired away from. Uh, oh, God. No, I can't remember. Uh, was it Grand Valley State? Grand Valley State. It is Michigan. Grand Valley yep, State. Yep, Grand Valley State. I, for whatever reason, I had uh, um, Great Huron in my head, and I don't, I don't know where <laughs> that came from. I invented that. I think Edmund Fitzgerald invented that, actually. Um, but yeah, he's been added as the outside linebackers and special teams coach, which is weird because safeties coach Colin Hitchler is supposed to be the special teams coach. I guess maybe we have two special teams coaches. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, uh, maybe he's just, maybe he's like the assistant because uh, Colin Hitchler had the title of special teams coordinator. So maybe right. they either switched the title to Matt Mitchell or um, they they just decided you know they had to have two guys to do it. Matt Mitchell is the head coach at Grand Valley State, and he accumulated a tremendous record while he was there. I think he had 177 wins from the time he was at. At that school, I think it's a D2 school. It's a D2 school. And at, yeah, I, I don't think it was that many. I, I want to say it was like 120 and 31 or something like that. Okay. It might have been 170. It, it was a lot. It was a lot. Three, yeah. It was a lot to a few <laughs> losses. Um, that school is also where uh, Brian Kelly got his start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's one other pretty prominent uh, Division One head coach who got his start there. But there, uh, there is, but I can't remember his name. Uh, yeah. I'm drawing a blank myself. Regardless, it's a good school to get a head coach out of. And a lot of people were making parallels. Oh, well, Al Johnson got hired away from a Division II school and see how that worked. Well, number one, he got hired to do a job he, he'd never done before. Number two, 
L. Johnson had a losing record in his time. At the, it was a small college in Oklahoma. Um, Grand Valley State's a pretty prominent school in Division II. And Matt Mitchell's had a ton of success there. So this was, along, this was yeah, epically different. Not only different that, there. along those lines, I, I, from what we heard, Al Johnson seems to have been pretty well liked in the running back room. Yeah. And uh, he came out and said after the bowl game, I think I saw him say this uh, in an interview on TV that he got a chance to coach the O-line for the bowl game, which is really what he wanted to do the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, Al Johnson was, was stuck in a, in a, in a bad spot at running backs coach, unfortunately <laughs> for the Badgers. But uh, Matt Mitchell, this is this is a job that he certainly can do, um, and I believe he this is a stepping stone job for him. I'm he wants to be a coordinator and then a head coach, and this is a way to prove that uh, at a position where Wisconsin at outside linebacker has a lot of talent that hasn't produced uh, quite yet. All the talents left, although we have a history of it. Nobody who's returning in that outside linebackers room next year has had a ton of success. Nick Herbig is leaving, so it's a lot of inexperienced guys, a lot of guys who haven't accumulated a ton of stats. So we're going to see what he does with that room going forward. And that's... I, I, that's... I, listened, I listened to a couple of interviews. Um, there wasn't a whole lot, obviously, on him coaching linebackers, but um, his recruiting tenacity and you know his just push, his his constant goal at D2 was to win a championship and he he was willing to recruit follow people on Twitter hunt them down so I think from a recruiting perspective he sounds like he's going to fit really well in with the rest of the coaches we'll see how he does coaching the outside linebackers um you know not not enamored of that but it is one of the winningest coaches in D2 coming to be your outside linebackers coach so you can't you can't poo-poo that away for sure. No, you definitely can't. Um, and that, there's not going to be a lot, a ton more news until we get to spring ball in terms of football. Obviously, they need to hire a running backs coach. Yeah, that's really the only gap in the staff that remains. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, I have a feeling either this is, they're having a hard time finding one or they've got a guy lined up and he's just not available yet. Right. And if that's the case, there's only one reason you're not available at this time of year to take another coaching job. And that's because you're in the NFL playoffs. <laughs> so I, it's, it's either somebody really great or we're going to go, huh, why did it take this long? Yep. But anyway, uh, moving on, we're going to talk a little high school football recruiting. We haven't talked high school football recruiting in forever. I'm I'm particularly happy to talk about high school football recruiting. We have fallen way off in that regard just because everything's been crazy for the last uh, three or four months. Yeah. But the Badgers uh, last weekend, they did send out uh, three new offers, all offensive linemen, all for the class of 2024. And the first one that we do want to talk about uh, out of Pennsylvania uh, Wyoming Missing High School, which is familiar to me. Um, I, I, I know that we've gone after players from there before. Uh, Caleb Brewer, who is six foot six, 290 pounds, and plays not just offensive tackle for his team, but also a defensive tackle, defensive end, and tight end. Tight end, yeah. 
uh rob this guy is is a beast he's he's mean he's a mean guy he, he is for those of you that haven't seen it if you go watch his huddle i think maybe almost every single person that he blocks ends up on the ground with yep. him laying on them till the end of the play he doesn't even roll off until the end of the play and the whistle is blown. This guy is mean. <laughs> Anyone who's listened to the Bucky cast consistently uh, and listened to me talk about uh, recruiting uh, offensive linemen, I love players who play up to, through, and beyond the whistle. Mm-hmm. And he absolutely does that. Uh, just, just a nasty guy. And doesn't matter who he's blocking, big or small, they usually wind up on the ground, and he usually winds up on top of them. And they don't get up until after the whistle's blown. So I saw, you can see a couple of his plays where he rolls out as a tight end. It looks really unnatural. I'm not going to lie. He looks slow and lumbering. But I'll tell you what, he's got some soft hands. That's for sure. He can catch the ball. (laughs) He can catch it. I but he does I look like a, a, a dinosaur offense. lumbering out there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to run him up the seam. But he's got mobility. Uh, you can tell that, and good athletic ability. Plays on defense as well. I can get his hands up, but really, you're looking at him as, as an offensive tackle. In that regard, I did not see anything in his film where I was like, well, you know, that's not that impressive. He really gets after guys. The um. What what I found interesting too, if you watch a lot of his huddles, he does a lot of crash down blocks towards the interior from the uh, left tackle's position. Um, it's I'm kind of curious to see from what I've read. It seems like Longo's linemen are going to be pulling a lot. Have you have you read that that they'll be they'll be moving a lot and pulling a lot? So I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to work. Um, I was worried, as you guys all know, listening to the to the Bucky Cast that. Um, that we were going to start looking at smaller offensive linemen because of that movement that was needed. But as you're going to see, all, all these guys we're going to talk about are still huge guys. So um, yeah. I don't think we have to worry about that too much. Um, the, the second player we wanted to talk about, um, William Satterwhite, who is 6'5", 290, out of good old Archbishop Oban. We've been to Archbishop Oban, Wisconsin, when I say we has been to Archbishop Hoban out in Akron. I originally said it was Cincinnati in my tweet, uh, retweet of his offer. I apologize to the great state of Akron, or the great city of Akron. Uh, no, Archbishop Hoban's in Akron. Uh, again, class of 2024, more of an interior lineman. Caleb Brewer could go either way, although I, I think he might be better at guard than at tackle. Mm-hmm. Setter White's a guard. Uh, but again, another guy who's just, he's, he's very mobile. Uh, but he's he's another dude who's just mean and likes to likes to shove dudes to the ground, get them on the ground, and then just sit on them. And that is a style of play that you know for Wisconsin mm-hmm. offensive linemen. Uh, it's yeah, just, it's just your ideal. And the interesting thing is, so I, I said I think every uh, highlight for Caleb Brewer was a, getting a guy on the ground. Satterwhite's a little bit different. He'll, he'll get guys on the ground and lay on them, but he's got some strong, mean hands, act really active hands as well. Um, he will, he will uh, hand fight with guys, but control them. And what you'll see in some of his highlights, if you watch his huddle is that he will push guys. I swear to God, 20 yards downfield. Yep. Uh, 
before they finally fall down. So, uh, yeah, really mean hands and strong hands. I, I was really impressed with his ability to to move and, and finesse like that. Yeah, he's he was an impressive watch as well on, on this huddle film. I mean, that's that's what you want out of a guy. Um, Caleb Brewer is unrated right now on the two four seven composite, I believe. Center White might be unrated. I think two four seven has him as a, a high three star. Yeah, I think both those guys wind up four star players by the time this is all said and done. Yeah. Uh, cause it's still real early in the 2024 recruiting process. These guys have just finished up their junior year, not two months ago. So I'm sure that the, that the recruiting uh, services, their staffs are still evaluating their senior year film. And there's a lot of guys to get through. Uh, the final uh, offer that went out and this was a very popular offer to make in the last couple of weeks, went out to styles Prescott, who is a five-star name player in terms of Styles Prescott just sounds like a like a dude who belongs on a yacht off of Martha's Vineyard. Uh, he's yeah. Sounds, yeah. sounds like the villain in an 80s ski movie. Um but anyway, 6'6, 280 pounds out of Hamilton Southeastern High School, which is in Fishers, Indiana. Uh Fishers, I've I, it's come up before, but I'm not remembering which prospect came out of Fishers. I've heard the name. I've heard the name of the school before, but anyway, uh, Prescott very different uh, than the other two players. Still a mean guy, uh, nasty dude, but not as nasty as the other two. Styles Prescott gets more uh, off of his flexibility, his athleticism, than he does out of simply mauling a guy. Yeah, I mean, if if there's a smaller player in front of him, he'll sit on him. Don't get me wrong. But um, in terms of like actual, like like mauling people, no, that's not his game. He's going to maneuver you out of out of your spot. Holds up pretty well in pass coverage. What did you think, Rob? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. He seems to stand up. His his first action seems to be to stand up too high. Yep. So what he does is he uses his athleticism to kind of maneuver you and control you. Now he he's good at it. He's strong. And he controls a lot of his guys, but you don't see as many of the pancake blocks or just over over uh, eyeing the, the you know over, um, controlling the defensive player uh, with his strength. It's more uh, leverage and movement because he stands up. I am sure that's correctable, uh, but but that's the first thing I notice is that he he's much higher than the other two when he attacks the man when he attacks the defenseman. Yeah. Um... So three offers going on for the Badgers. Prescott's a four-star already, I think, in the in the two four seven composite. Yeah. If not, he's a high three. But he will be he will be a four-star prospect. Right now he's a heavy Notre Dame lean. It sounds like that was his dream offer, which being from Indiana, I can get. Uh Michigan and Penn State have also offered. So that's going to be kind of a hard pull for the Badgers. But nonetheless, um, still a, a talented player, somebody you want to take a look at, especially to play the, those offensive tackle spots, because he seems more like a true tackle than the other two. Yeah. Um, also wanted to mention uh, yesterday, the 17th. I'm sorry, today is the 17th. Uh, yesterday, the 16th and the 17th, uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin went nuts with recruiting this last weekend. Uh, they they did a uh, Illinois blitz and a Wisconsin blitz, and they threw up billboards for it. Yeah. all over Wisconsin and into Illinois. Actually, a couple of billboards in Chicago. 
so they went down, visited a whole bunch of different uh, prominent high schools down there, St. Rita's, uh, Kenwood Academy, places like that. They've been all over the state of Wisconsin the last couple of days, just guys going around. Uh, Coach Fickle himself went in to visit a few players. Um, the big three offensive linemen for Wisconsin from the 2025 class from in-state are Charlie Hoytink, uh, Griffin Russo, and Owen Strebig. Mm-hmm. And so they all got visits today, or at least coaches went there. I don't know if they can technically um, – recruit them until they are juniors but the coaches were there and all three players mentioned that they were there so they're obviously looking well after these players who are you know considered you know the next coming generation of offensive linemen in the state that might be the best uh offensive line class since 2022 uh those three players in particular um strebig is a classic offensive tackle um Hoytink looks extremely like a, almost a Carson Hinsman type player at center. And then uh, Griffin Russo, I don't, he, he looks like he could play right tackle, but I'm guessing he probably winds up at a guard spot, guard spot or ta- right tackle maybe. But those are three great offensive linemen right there. They'll be at least uh, high three stars, if not four stars. I'm pretty sure Owen Strubbing is going to wind up a four-star player. Yeah, just based off the eye test that Rob and I saw when we went to uh, the the Catholic Memorial game earlier this last fall. Yeah, uh, just they they look the part. All three of them do, but especially Strubbing. So good stuff going on with recruiting. Uh, we'll keep we're keeping Will's segment alive here on the Bucky Cast. <laughs> it's the forward segment. What are we looking forward to, Rob? What do you got? I am going to go with the men's basketball Northwestern game. I want to see uh, once we get, uh, once uh, Wall knocks the rust off a little bit, I want to see if we can gain that magic back or not, or if we're still going to be struggling. So I'm really, I'm really interested to see how we carry on uh, through the rest of this Big Ten schedule. This is a very different Northwestern team than ones we've faced in the last three or four years. They are actually legitimately good. Yep. Yep. So that's going to be a tough test. Uh, I am just, I'm continuing to to scan Twitter message boards wherever I can for recruiting news. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's finally cool to be recruited by Wisconsin. It's not just a, that's a solid school to throw into my top eight or top 10. That's a school that's now a viable option. And I'm thrilled about that. I can't wait to see more offers go out and I'm sure they're forthcoming soon. So that's my looking forward. I also am looking forward to one of our fans not doing something racist when the Northwestern game goes on. (laughs) Unlike last year when we had some idiot do something stupid. So, uh, yeah, if if you see that happening, don't punch him, but point him out to officials so they can remove him. If you see that happen, folks. Yeah. And Um, then, of course, we'll have to keep an eye on the... Uh, NFL playoffs, as soon as a team is uh, beaten, we have to start looking at who their running backs coaches. <laughs> honestly, I think we review, I think I've reviewed who the eight running backs coaches are, and I can't really honestly believe that we would have a shot at any of them. Yeah, I know. You don't usually get to the playoffs <laughs> as a running backs coach, and you're a guy who's on his way to college. So we'll we'll see what the reasoning is behind this. I would be, I would be utterly shocked if any of them wound up at Wisconsin, but who knows? <laughs> who knows? Anything's possible in the fickle era. With that big, thick energy going on. 
All right. Well, that's going to that's gonna wrap us up for this week's podcast. Um, we're looking forward to bringing you some more material. We're going to try and uh, maybe kick up our Instagram account again. We've kind of fallen off in that regard just because too much craziness, but we're going to, we're going to try and get on top of that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, from Rob and myself, uh, thanks for listening again, follow us at the Bucky cast on Twitter or email us at the Bucky cast at gmail.com till the next time folks. Peace out. See you next week.